if you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? Hey, hey, Mischief Makers, MKJ here, and I get to chat with a guy that I met in all places, Costa Rica. So, JC Height. JC, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, MK. Super excited to be here. Hopefully, we can add some good value to the audience. I know. I absolutely have no doubt that we can. So, just uh, I said I met you, and I've known you for a, a while now. Kind of tell everybody if they don't know who you are and what you do. Give us a give us a synopsis here. Yeah, I'm I'm a marketer, I guess by trade or an entrepreneur. We're working on our second Inc. 5000 agency. A first one I exited when we had about 350 team members. This one, we're back up to 200 full-time team members, and we're committed to going to 1,000 jobs, which is a, you can't fake this stuff. It's a pretty pretty large agency. And, and we're all about how do we scale our agency in a very stable way that impacts families, that provides stability to families, that helps moms and dads take care of their kids. And and so on and so forth. And it's been an incredible journey. I also have an inner circle for, for agency owners and do a couple of things in that world. But, but ultimately, we own a marketing agency. Wow. And all right. So I own a marketing agency is a really basic statement. There is yeah. so much that goes into owning, yeah. operating, and creating success with a marketing agency, let alone one with over 200 employees. So, so first off, you built and sold the first Inc. 500 agency with over 300 employees. Now you're on the second. That's Take right. us back to that yep. first first business. What kind mm -hmm. of mindset shifts did you have to adopt or go through to to get an agency with 300 employees? I mean, that obviously you didn't go from zero to 300 in a month. So that took time mm -hmm. no matter what. But it had to yep. take some real transformation in yourself. Take us through mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, you know, and that actually wasn't even our first, let's start there, but then we can even back up and I've failed a few times and, and blown it all up. But with this agency, I came in, actually, I was one of the owners and I came in later in the game. We were already about four years in when I came in, had a couple, had about a hundred employees, a little bit of success. And, and then we ended up really, really scaling as I was, I was, I was there getting up to about 350 people. As you said, it's incredibly complex and, and crazy. My wife and I both had jobs there and both, and, and we had ownership. And uh, this is where it got really interesting for us, MK. We, in all world views, we were incredibly successful. I mean, I'm not a big Rolex guy, but our other owners had Rolexes, flights. Google would be in our office once a month. We got tickets to every Super Bowl, every World Cup, every you name it. It was just, it was incredible. But the values within the organization between the owners were incredibly different. 
two of the four owners end up having affairs at the office, cocaine, meth, drugs, women. I mean, it was just, it wasn't a wholesome environment, which if my wife and I are very open people, but we're very traditional Christian, you know, individuals. Yeah. And so, you know, as we were growing and scaling, we kind of felt that it was our, our mission effort. And we were kind of hopefully bringing some joy to the culture there and a wholesome marriage and all this stuff. Then we got pregnant. We got pregnant with our first daughter, Olivia. And Olivia was, we were six, seven months pregnant, MK. And my mind shift completely shifted because on one hand, I was like, oh, we're lights to the world here. But on the other hand, I was like, no, we're a part of this. We're we're recruiting 20, 30 people every quarter from college, bringing them into this environment. And, and, and it was, when I say Wolf of Wall Street had nothing on us, I mean, I can say this, nice. my, my non-disclosure is now over, but Google <laughs> would come to our offices on a weekend and there wouldn't be a party in the city. So we'd get a private flight and we'd fly to Panama City or Panama for the weekend just to, like <laughs> crazy, crazy. And so- Two months before we got pregnant, my wife and I sat there and we were like, I would be ashamed if my daughter came to this office or knew, you know, so on and so forth. So we went in, we sat down, we negotiated, we ended up negotiating all of our equity, all of our equity in exchange for our non-compete. We left, we started hype two weeks later, five years later now is where we're sitting at today. We had our five-year anniversary last week. We're up to 200 employees. They're down to about 60, 70 employees and um, no debt, no investors. And it's just been an, an amazing experience. But it was when we left, we had no insurance, not a lot of savings, you know, left. We were making a crap ton of money. You know, it was, we dropped it all because we, inside, we weren't being fulfilled. And that's, you mentioned that. And I've got to, I've got to come back to that for a minute. And then, yes, I do want to go even before that, because that's a, that right there, even, even that move of entering a company at that level and bringing in your own expertise is higher than most people start in business. So we'll, we'll go back and look at it. But you specifically mentioned when you got pregnant and thought about your daughter. Now that's usually a huge, that's the baby effect, right? It, right. it is absolutely the baby effect. It makes us stop and go, okay, whoa, this isn't just about me anymore. <laughs> Those of us who actually, you know, are introspective and, you know, it's not about me anymore. And and just what right. you said, I, I had to think about, I would be ashamed if my daughter came into this office and knew as an adult what was happening and what people were doing. That That's a huge mindset shift that you had to do. It was okay before your daughter, but it wasn't okay after your daughter because it made you look at things differently. Did I get that That's right? right? That's yeah. right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So take us before that. Take us to what you were doing before you entered that particular agency and what what set you up to even, you know, have an opportunity like that. You know, there's such there's so many these little bitty things that that I think affect our our mind shift. So raised by a single mom, lived with my mom most of my life, moved over to my dad's house when I was about 14. My mom was from a trailer park, very very poor you know, environment. My father was blue collar, but did well, did really well. And even after I left home, did even kept kept doing better. But every single day after after school, when I was in middle school and high school, I would go over to my grandparents' house. And my grandparents are the most amazing, humble, beautiful people you would ever meet in your life. I've never, they're just amazing. And not a lot of people would know this, but they own a lot of real estate. They have a lot of rental properties. And every day after school, I would go in and we would look at 
we'd pull out the newspaper and we would look at the houses for sale. And every single day, we would do the numbers and we would sit there with pencil and paper. And my granddad would always tell me, always put the pencil to the paper, do the math on anything, right? So we'd look at the taxes, we'd look up insurance and what would it cost and what could you rent it for? And then, you know, we'd see like, oh, wow, this is a decent deal. Let's go look at it. At 14 years old, I would go and look at houses with him. And I kid you not, at 14 years old, and I was 15, excuse me, we went and looked at a house just like any normal day with my granddad. And we left that house and my granddad looked at me and said, well, why don't you buy it? And this was 20 years ago when you could do zero down loans and things like this with the banks. And, and I looked at him and I'll never forget. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Because they didn't, there was nothing blocking my mind. My granddad was always, it was us doing it, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. I kid you not. He, he had this beautifully set up and we had a meeting with the president of Regions Bank for Arkansas, who happened to go to church with us. It was a real meeting. He went over all the loan documents. You know, this is a serious thing. You know, if you if you can't pay your payment, this is what's going to happen. Da, 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 da. And I ended up signing documents that probably were thrown away, right? And I ended up <laughs> signing documents and, you know, went through this experience of owning my own house. And my granddad, I had to rent it. He didn't help me show it. He would drive me there. I'd have to jump out and, you know, show a house to 30 and 40-year-olds as a 15-year-old. There were so many little things. I remember one time, you know, I'd always get the check and would always get the check from the rent and then I'd pay my mortgage. I'd have a little something left over, but like any 15-year-old, I'd spend it. You know, I'd go and he just let me. He wasn't worried. And one day uh, a tree landed on my roof and so I had to go get a new roof, but I had insurance. I'd forgotten that you needed a deductible though. So he let me sweat it out. I was super like scared. I didn't know what to do. And he let me sweat it out. Finally, he's like, I tell you what, I'll give you a loan, but you got to pay me back with interest and lesson learned here, right? And so I learned the value of savings and all this stuff and ended up, my wife and I, when we got engaged, we had about, about 50 houses in total. By the time we got engaged, I was about 23. And so at 23, I started buying through college and, and through work and Learned a big lesson number two. I started buying and and had a Harley. I had a Cessna airplane. I had a you know, three thousand five hundred square foot house in downtown Nashville, or you know just outside of Nashville. Had the Ford F one fifty. I started again, kind of going back to those fifteen year old days of like, all right, if I'm making it, let me spend it. Uh, yeah. My wife and I got married, and within a month of getting married, a big factory went under in one of the cities that I had heavily invested in. And we spent the first year of our marriage losing everything, everything, you know? And so, so again, these, these shifts, you know, sometimes we're corrected and then it's like, oh, now I need corrected again. And so at height, we have no debt. We try to be as stable as possible. We've got several months of cash in the bank, you know, ready to go. If something happens, we could lose. I think we did the math every month. I get a report. We could lose 50% of our business tomorrow and still survive a year. Right. And so like, (laughs) It's a completely different shift because of yes. our lessons, you know, that we, that we learn. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that, so take me, take me to that where you, you had those scenarios where you were making money, your, your decision-making was a little less mature than it is now. And in that you learned that maturity lesson. Because that really that's really what it is. Depending on, hey, I've just got this cash right now. That's all that matters. 
whatever happens in the future doesn't matter to yeah. that maturity of, yeah, I got this cash right now, but I also know that life happens and we'll keep it clean here, right? Life happens and we're yeah. going to, things will come along. Pregnancies happen. Children happen. They're expensive. They're not cheap. Believe me, I'm on the other side of it. I've got a 21 and 24 year old. So yeah. <laughs> they're uh, they're going on their own. So where did that finally shift where you actually applied that? 15, obviously 15 year old. There's no way I would expect a 15 year old to understand that maturity because they haven't experienced mm-hmm. it yet like you did with the roof. And then 23, mm-hmm. you're starting to get there, but that's still very young. So where did you finally see that shift and go, okay, I remember the 15-year-old experience. I remember the 23-year-old experience. Now at your current age, I'm going to do this differently. Where yeah. where did that that going over that hump, so to speak, happen? Yeah. I mean, I think it was it was hitting rock bottom. And I mean, when I say we lost everything, like I had bought my wife, I mean, the car we drive today is probably the same value as what my wife's wedding ring was because because we we had it, right? And you know, the the when we were losing everything, we had a private loan with some of the houses we bought and they would, they would message my wife, my brand new wife, you know, like your husband stole that money or whatever, you know, like just stupid stuff. Everybody was hurting. It it was on me. It was a hundred percent. I take full responsibility. we never did anything, obviously unethical, but it didn't work out. And, and it was, it crushed me. I mean, as a husband, whenever you first get married, you're wanting to give the world to your family. And we ended up moving to a maid's quarters of my father-in-law's house for the first year of our marriage. Like we we slept on a twin size bed, just trying to every penny to not go bankrupt. And we didn't go bankrupt, thank God, but it was as close as you could possibly get to it. And so it did two things to me. On one hand, I'm not scared of growing broke because I've been there survived. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. On the other hand, I don't want to go there at all. Right. And so we we set up these barriers, you know, my wife, we only have one car now, not because we can't afford it because we're very, we we try to be as, as safe as possible. And now it's not just my life. It's not just my wife. I have, I have 200 team members who, whose families depend on that as well. Right. Yeah. That, and see, that's exactly it. I, I wanted to find out if that was the case. It changes your perspective. You're no longer emotional about this. You realize mm-hmm. this could happen, but let's look at the logic. Let's not look at, oh, what a good boy am I? I've got all this money. And you feel feel that attachment to that. You feel that identity with that money and that position mm-hmm. and that power and that influence. You don't have that. You look at it logically. I have people to take care of. I have a family to take care of. Logically, let's make sure this decision is going to influence positively all those people. And yeah, you know what it feels like, you know, you're not going to die, right? I mean, it's not, you know, (laughs) you're not going to die if you lose a bunch of money, but you also know you don't want to have that for yourself and others. That's really where that experience gets translated into changing your actions, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. One of my mentors, he talks to us a lot about, you have two ways to make decisions. You have the emotional and the logical. You can make emotional decisions. You, you can do this. That's okay. But you have to know the logical side. You have to know that you're making, okay, my wife and I are going to buy a BMW. I know that's more expensive than XY. I know that doesn't make necessarily sense, but we want it. Okay. That's cool. But you got to know the logic, the logical side. You have to know that by buying this house at 6% interest, it's actually going to cost me $2 million, not $1 million. You know, you have to know this side. In, in our business, when someone comes in, JC, this client is being a douchebag. I can't stand them. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
but now I need to go listen to the call. I need to go really make sure I know the logic, the real side of this before, you know, before we make decisions. So. Okay. Hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate and you were spurred into action. Don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now and create some CEO mischief of your own.